here's a few names that I bet by the end of this podcast you will remember for the rest of your life. Hegestratus, the Praetorian Guard, Gregor MacGregor, Eduardo de Valifierno, Charles Ponzi, Fishing, Smishing, and Vishing. Who are these people and things? What did they do? Are they famous? For what? When? Does it concern you? We'll see. Ahlan sahlan. Welcome to Business Talk. Join me as I dive deep into the world of anything related to business and how it affects our lives now or later. I'm your host, Mamdouh Raddadi. Be warned though, this is not some posh, professionally polished, boring blah blah. Just casual, happy-go-lucky and fun stuff. If you like that, let's go. All the names I mentioned are famous historic scammers and fraudsters, and a few new techniques. Before I tell you their stories, why did I choose this subject today? The reason is, I feel there's a scam storm in the making. Yeah, that's a thing, a scam storm. Uh, And a lot of innocent smart people will lose their hard-earned savings and money. Today I'll cover scams the history, the amounts, the scammers, and their schemes. I'll also point out the most famous of them all and the one that will most probably be used to steal hundreds of millions in the coming two years. I'll also be covering the most obvious areas and industries that this or these scams will take place in. So what is a scam? Simply put, it's when someone tries to trick or deceive you, steal from you like money or personal information. Today I'm only going to cover the uh, financial ones, all right, or financial related. Statistics are not clear and most probably not trusted sources, but I've I've checked all around and it says that the total global uh, scam amounted to 1 trillion dollars. That's a lot of money. They say also in 1 in 4 people worldwide get scammed. The scams are usually from 1 to 4000 dollars per individual and they're saying that you know, one in four people in the world, okay, so they're either getting scammed or will be scammed. And the funny part is 7% only of these scams are reported. So there's a lot that's not being reported for, for obvious reasons. A lot of people just don't want to get into it or bother. The top seven scamming countries in the world. This is interesting. Number one, Nigeria. Remember that letter? Dear sir, I am Prince Mandingo from Nigeria blah 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 please transfer the small amount of three thousand five hundred dollars to my account to unfreeze my assets and i will gladly transfer one million dollars to your account please act quickly i cannot survive like this hello sir quickly one million dollars yours truly prince mandingo number two on the list is india and three is venezuela four is china then it's followed by Pakistan. Number six is uh, Romania. And number seven is the Philippines. Yeah, those are the top scamming countries in the world. Okay. To any scam, there's two sides to the story. One, the scammer. And two, the greedy victim. Or not greedy victim, but the victim. So why do people get scammed? Clumsy older generations, kind people, uneducated, naive, greedy, fast riches, suckers, beating the system, outsmarting everyone, too cool for school, no work dudes, you know, those are the people. So 
let's go back a bit to to 300 BC before Christ, where today's first star performed the very first documented scam in history. Well, I'm sure there's people that have done it before him, but this was the one that was kind of documented and famous, all right? But first, grab your coffee. So, in the year 300 BC before Christ, meaning before our 19 whatever years, imagine that year one was when Christ was crucified. That would be year one. So, this story about Hegestratos, a Greek ship merchant, was 300 years before that number, which was year one. What this gentleman did was decide with his friend to take a loan then insure it with an insurance company for the ship and the merchandise or the cargo. Uh, He would then try to sink the ship, take the cargo with the money, and then, you know, run, make a run for it. His plan failed because his crew found out and (laughs) chased him out to sea where this dude drowned. And that was the first documented scam in known history. The second recorded scam was a funny one. Not the funniest, mind you, just funny. It was the year 193 AD. The AD meant after Christ's death, so after death. Uh, Just to be clear, we kept counting from there till today, which is 2024. So this incident was 1,831 years ago today. The scam was called the Year of the Five Emperors. They were called the Praetorian Guards. They were loyal to the Emperor Pertinax. These loyal guards also decided to assassinate him. And get this. (laughs) They started a bidding war to sell the Roman Empire. I've never heard this story before. Trust me, this is true. So these, these guards decided to sell the whole Roman Empire. There was a bidding war. And a gentleman by the name of Julianus won it for 250 gold pieces, equivalent in today's money to 1 billion pounds. Okay? They sold something that wasn't theirs to sell. So it was a scam or a financial fraud. And Julianus never became emperor, leading to civil war and the year of the five emperors, hence the name. Then after 16 centuries or so, the year 1821 was the year of a famous scam called the Imaginary Prince. Now this is, this is really funny. The maestro of this scandal was General Gregor MacGregor from Scotland originally, of the Scottish army, uh, with many war achievements by the way. Uh, this is a gentleman that traveled to Argentina and all over the world. Anyway, he suddenly started telling people he conquered an island not, you know, far away in the ocean called Poyais. And, you know, he he's starting his own country. He promised people lavish homes and investors excellent income and new opportunities. He also had, an, you know, the, his own currency and started exchanging British pounds for his Poyais currency, whatever. I checked out the story, it's true, it's a very long story, so that's all we need to know today, okay? Here's another one. 
The Louvre Scam. The Louvre. Louvre Scam. The year 1911, Eduardo de Valfierno, an Argentinian guy, masterminded the theft of the Mona Lisa by one of the workers that used to work at the Louvre. Not to sell it. No, this was not important to him. He just ma- he wanted to make sure that the whole world knew that the Mona Lisa was missing. So he made forged copies and sold them to the underground crowd or collectors. When they knew that this Mona Lisa was missing, they believed that the one that he had was an original. He had sold so many of them and it worked. And by the way, he lived to the age of 81. Now we come to the most famous of them all. Actually, he was so famous that a certain specific kind of scam is named after him till this day. Imagine how proud he would be if he was alive today. In 1920, Charles Ponzi purchased postal vouchers in his hometown Lugo, Italy, an Italian. He found that he could make 5% by easily shipping them out abroad, all right? So he could make 5% profit. So after a while, he got bored with this 5% and said, why not add a zero? So he promised investors 50%. I mean, what, what harm can adding a simple zero to the return, right? Nothing. So 50% promised returns, proved to be worth it. Investors scream, take my money, take my money, all right? He paid all the early investors the returns fast, and so the word spread, friends, family, and idiots came running to his knees. After the numbers grew, he simply couldn't pay the newcomers the promised 50%. What he was doing was the following. Let's say I invite you to invest $1,000 for a $500 profit. So that's 50%. You pay me the $1,000 and the next person that invests, I take $500 from them and give it to you. You're happy and maybe reinvest your money more this time. Each time someone comes, I give them after one month or six months maybe the 50% profit that I promised. Everything works out until the people and amounts start to increase. So eventually, he found he had made $10 million and decided to run away with the money, which is equivalent to $154 million. That's not bad in today's money. That, ladies and gentlemen, is what we call a Ponzi scheme. There are many, many scams that happened over the years, and maybe I'll I'll just mention a few in this podcast, but I can't forget the $180 billion lost to WorldCom, which, is, which, which the CEO inflated the balance sheet by $11 billion in assets. The stock price went from $64 to $1, and the investors lost $180 billion, and 30,000 jobs were lost. I bet you all heard of the Bernie Maldoff Investment Securities Ponzi scheme, which the dude Maldoff was sentenced to 150 years jail time. 150 years. 
but he decided to cut it short at the age of 82 and died in prison. Losses in his grand Ponzi scheme, you know, they totaled around 50 billion. Maldov stole 20 billion. He just took it. This is mine. 20 billion in principal funds. He never invested it. Um, You know, his firm told investors they were making 65 billion returns annually, which is absolutely crazy. And, and, you know, the richest, most famous people invested their money in that Maldov fund. The Maldov Victim Fund distributed and returned 80% of the losses, totaling nearly $4 billion. What's funny is that no investment was ever made for 12 years the investor you know he said that he was investing their money and he talks about investments and returns he just ponzied them ponzi remember that name the ponzi charles ponzi he took from one investor and gave the other and so on he admitted claims were 19.5 billion dollars and the money retrieved was 14.6 billion dollars let's not forget there's an ongoing investigation into the uh, American COVID relief fund for around $80 billion, which was lost to people pretending to own businesses. And they just, you know, fill in some form and tell the government that I had a business and I lost 80000 180000 1 million. And the government just kept paying over $80 billion. That is an investigation that is still going on. When you come to think of it, that's a lot of money and a lot of victims at the hands of one or two or three individuals, you know, billions of dollars around the world being stolen from hundreds of thousands of people, which affect economies, affect uh, the reputation of certain countries, and so on. But every year, forever, People find ways to scam other people. These innocent, um, some of them are very smart. Uh, They get tricked into these fraudsters' schemes and get scammed. Believe me, I understand high risk, high reward. I was a banker for more than 15 years and get that. But crazy returns and high risk equal epic loss and big dreams. Okay? So... After all those historic moments and lessons, hopefully, what should we talk about or highlight at least? I think the first thing is we need to know that knowledge is power. Updating ourselves is power. Asking people we trust about their work uh, at investment houses, consulting houses, banks, and trade is crucial. If you don't have those, hit YouTube and don't stop till you drop. Ask questions on social media platforms and forums. Know what average and normal returns on investments are. Test the waters with small amounts and trusted places that are government-backed and audited. All basic knowledge. Now, play the devil's advocate and imagine all the loopholes in society that scammers can practice their scams and find easy prey. What are the signs that most of the scammers share? They suddenly appear, they're too friendly, they're over-informative, they're charismatic, they talk too slow or too fast, 
they speak of people that they help make profits and money, are always watching or following you around social media and life. They're flashy, they're wearing brands, nice cars, appearing at hotspots. They could also, especially today, become social media influencers, foodies, chefs, entrepreneurs, who never seem to be working, always casting and always online. Every scam is relevant to its time and economic state, the information and tools available. Today, we live, breathe, eat through technology. Although I will mention the scams that occur through tech briefly, that is not my focus today. You know what? Let's do that first right now. Let's talk phishing with a P. It's P-H-I-S-H-I-N-G and smishing and vishing, all right? Phishing is a type of cyber attack intending to trick victims to click on a fraudulent link which arrives by email. The link takes the victim to a kind of legitimate looking website or copy of a well-known one. It asks for usernames, passwords, bank and social details, all sensitive details. This information is sent directly to cyber criminals. They then log into your accounts and dry them. What is smishing? It's phishing, but through SMS. It has a link, which is a shortened URL, urging you to take quick action. There's that word again, quick. Tax, surprise, gift, prize, refund. These should all be red flags to you. Vishing is the same, but with voice. Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp, phone calls, pretending to be someone from an organization. They want your credit card details or something close to that. That was phishing, smishing, and vishing. So don't click on links and don't give personal information. Don't even answer calls you don't know. If it happens to you and you get scammed, immediately cancel your cards, call banks, and change passwords if you can. Block unknown numbers and report them. It's very important that you do. Okay, now let's get down to business. Mainly Ponzi schemes and pyramid schemes updated to suit today's climate and encounters. This is for you, for everybody listening. So the Ponzi scheme only asks you for an initial investment or amount. The pyramid scheme asks you to do that and recruit new members. So they make you offers to make money by doing this. If you get more members, you'll get more money. In the Ponzi scheme, the main figure attracts investors like Maldov did. In the pyramid, participants recruit one another like Sawa problem that we had in Saudi Arabia. Sources of returns from Ponzi is from the new investors. The source of returns from a pyramid scheme is from new recruits. The Ponzi promises high returns for investment. The pyramid promises high guaranteed returns from recruits that you get. Both schemes are unsustainable in the short and long term. So why am I recording this podcast today? Why am I worried? People are addicted to social media. Influencers, which only show us a part of their life.
We are addicted to these people. We look at them and look at their fancy clothes, their cars, the jewelry, the travel and food and lifestyle, and everyone wants to be that person or that influencer. Now, I'm not saying that influencers are bad people or scammers. I'm just saying that they are a very great target for scammers to use them. And maybe some of these influencers get this idea by themselves. Not saying all of them. I'm not saying anything, but they are a great source for scamming. That, you know, those wants that we look at, the, uh, the clothes, the, the lifestyle, okay? That creates tension to normal, good income people. But many want that life and want fast returns, more money and more income streams. And they want it now. And scammers know this and watch and study and ask, how can we make use of this greed and tension? The targets are more than you can imagine. Not only older people, young, working, clever, uh, all sorts of people, all walks of life. Ask yourself the following questions. What business around me is growing too fast? All right. I want you to read between the lines now. So the first question is, what business around me is growing too fast? What business is expanding faster than the usual? Who is opening new branches faster than you can think? What business can create such profit and generate cash so fast to expand in every corner and every city in my country? Unless the brand food, perfume, clothing, coffee, fitness, whatever, does not have the financial backing by a wealthy name or company or a bunch of investors, then that's a red flag. Do not get pulled in by their word of attraction. What are those words of attraction? Let's say, for example, you see a new shawarma place open. You visit it at first and, you know, you see some traffic. It's got traffic. After three months, more traffic. After four months, no traffic. Then suddenly, cars and lines outside it appear. They were paid to do that. These lines were paid to stand in front of this place. This is a thing. Then a new branch in less than a year. You ask about the owner, new money, influencer. Suddenly, 10 branches in less than two years. 30 branches in less than three years. What kind of growth does a shawarma or burger or even coffee shop have that makes you grow that fast? Has the whole world stopped eating anything else and only chose this place or this product? I mean, you look at the place and everything is average. Everything is normal. Even the service is bad. And complaints online no, never get answered and so on. Suddenly, now here's, here's the tricky part. Suddenly, you get invited to one of their opening events and you find out that the expansion is being done by franchising. For 800,000 or 500,000 or 1 million, you can have your own ready, fast, but you have to act now. There's that word again, act now, quickly. The largest franchises in the world take decades of proof of concept and personal investments before thinking of selling one franchise for many reasons. McDonald's 
internationally and Del Bek in Saudi Arabia are a fine example. You forget what I'm talking about and you go ahead. Everything I've said, whatever. What does he know? It's all normal. It's all franchising. Everybody knows. Everybody's doing it. And you go ahead. The returns are amazing. You pay the money and suddenly after six months, no sale, no profits. Where are the customers? You call the franchisor or the seller of this franchise. You get busy calls and international dial tones and promises to call you back soon as they get back to the country. Months go by, no calls, no sales, no backup, no product and no growth. You still pay the rent and the rent is due. You start to talk to other owners and they all are facing the same problems, but nobody's talking to one another and nobody's complaining because they're drowning in their own misery. You start to panic, maybe even sell the place or put it up for sale for a ridiculous low price. The franchisor or the seller of this franchise is not even on social media anymore. It's been two years since he's been last seen on social media, even though before he was very active on social media. You start getting calls from other owners. Now you're really panicking. Have you been scammed? What about the contracts, the places, the promises? All of those are nice to have things, but they will not get your money back. Suddenly, after selling 100 franchises, the owner of the brand decides to disappear and out of the blue declare bankruptcy. I think you can easily call that a Ponzi scheme that became a pyramid scheme because people started getting other investors to invest with them because they're, you know they're boasting about the profits and the, the location and whatever. But they weren't getting anything in return. They might have got some kind of discount on the products, on you know supplies or whatever, but that is definitely a Ponzi and a pyramid scheme at the same time. So if you ask me, where are the high-risk places or high-risk investment areas today, I would easily say coffee or a co cafes or whatever, food, burgers, shawarma, pizza, fried chicken, breakfast places, healthy food, lounges, fitness places, and more. You have to keep your eyes open. You need to use specific people who understand how to look at these things, and they are not in any way uh, affiliated with these franchisors. Okay, You need to get separate consultants, you need to ask government officials, you need to look around and ask around before you invest your money. Now that I've got you thinking, start noticing and watch out. Ask before you jump, consult before you decide and pay. Pause and reflect before you do it. Till next time, take care and goodbye.